How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law, Thomas McCoy, and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. We have some exciting things to talk about tonight. We are are going to try to address what's happening a little bit with online schooling, with COVID. And Mark, I hope you can talk a bit about the school that you've created uh, in your law firm. Uh, the school's going great. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've talked to a lot of folks in and out of the school system, and um, I was asking how they're doing, right? Because it's a it's a tremendous struggle for them right now you know a lot of the folks that decided to join the teaching profession were teachers not innovators and uh entrepreneurs and um tech gurus and all of a sudden here you go this is how you do it now right right um so it's been really interesting because you know, people are throwing daggers at them, you know, and it's it's unfortunate because everybody's doing the best that they can. Right. I mean, isn't that the ultimate goal of what we're what we're here, what we're doing? And it's an I am right? right. It's always an I am right. And the system has an I am as well. And we are absolutely adapting. So so the teachers have to become tech people. And that's a challenge. And then it's leadership, right? So is the leadership conveying the message effectively? Is the leadership, you know, conveying a message, right? So, so you feel bad all the way around. Um, and, you know, nobody's having a good time with it. I mean, it's, it's very taxing, the whole back to school concept that everybody was waiting for i mean all summer long it's like well what's gonna happen in september i don't right. know right i mean it, it really is so interesting how many adaptations there are because teachers have to become technicians but many parents have to become teachers right and you they know? didn't and sign up for that, that either is part of what what i'm hearing as well is how how the parents balancing um having to work and put food on the table but also be sure that their kid isn't sort of wandering off uh how do we keep them tuned in to what's happening um on top of some schools are hybrid where they are going you know the students are going into school and the teachers i think are absolutely rightly worried about their health and their students health and the students who then come back home, I mean, it's it's remarkable uh, how how people are are truly adapting to what's happening and making it work the best it can. And folks, that that is part of what the I am is. Rather than blame other people, let's let's understand this and figure out what what small changes can we make to make it work. 
And then on top of that, on top of that, COVID doesn't immunize you against having attention deficit. And now, now what do we do? Because now we have some kids who are at home getting medication, which we know wears off. And we'll talk a bit more about, about the medication part. But that's also a fascinating challenge for parents. Um, but many of them have never seen their kids in a school setting, you know. And now they have to create one. Tom, you know, th this, this remote schooling, I mean, you're not directly affected it by it at all, but, but what, what can you imagine it would be like for a kid um, who's, who's trying to concentrate at home? Well, I can answer with my limited experience doing virtual summer schooling. I can hear them. Great. Yeah, so this was okay. back in high school, I believe between junior and senior year. Uh, only subject I ever failed was chemistry, which to this day I still argue is fine. <laughs> okay. But I failed chemistry and I was required to take a summer online course. Um, I imagine it's become a more refined process that keep kids more honest. You were required to watch video modules and it would play through the ends. You couldn't jump around the time. So press play, you watch it, you pay attention, and you have it on the background as I play Counter-Strike. <laughs> That's what I did. I wasn't a good student with chemistry. Yeah, um, that was early remote learning right there. It, exactly right. That was that was the beginning of remote learning. It was. And I imagine there's more supervision, surely, because uh, it's the teachers themselves are doing are working remotely. I mean, I, I think it it could be tremendous for education. Yep. Um, if we can get it right, because so often parents don't really know what's going on in the classroom. And now they they have access to it. They are the classroom. But the but the reality is how do we how do we subsidize this? How do we, you know, help parents um, teach their kids at home? Um, I mean there's there's a, a huge new enterprise in this that, that we could really, really imagine and um, and 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 create. But for COVID, we would not be having this conversation, though. We would still be doing what we were doing before and before that. And Yeah, right. we're asking questions now that would have been heretical even five years ago. Mm, it's true. How do you envision the, um, the public, quote-unquote, public school system coming out of this 24 months from now? I think it's going to be just as important for reasons that I don't think we should be proud of like we talked about this a little a few weeks ago about how kids need rely on public schools for their lunches because there's so much food insecurity especially nowadays um they're gonna have to we're gonna have to find ways to work around that if we can't be in the same room together but i think public school will come out of this it just won't be as recognizable is the safe answer well how do you env envision it though if it's not recognizable what does it look like is it broken into pieces? It'll be, I imagine, broken into pieces for at least the next two years. The uh, staggered, like what Timmy's doing, yeah. where it's by at least half, perhaps even more so. Maybe we do it by thirds, where you're in person uh, one day and a half. 
And so I heard something very interesting tonight, Dr. Joe, that the city of Boston is at a 3.5 on the Richter scale, or I don't know what the scale is called for the COVID. For the COVID, that's what uh, someone said, their grandmother said. I, I think I might, I, I'm looking at the COVID, it's uh, coming by. But um, if it gets to 4.0, public schools in Boston go home. Yeah. Fact, Everything right? Again. Huh? Right. It'll shut down again. That's right. What is that number? What is the, that ratio number, that 3.5? There is down to 2, it was up to 2.7, it's now at 3.5, trending up. Now, I think people want it around 0. 0.9. I mean, right. under 1 is what we really Remember, we had, um, we had uh, Josh uh, Rockett, uh from uh, Boston Medical who said, you know, ideally, if it's, if it's 0. 0.9 or 1, that means things at least are relatively controlled. It's not gone. But now there's, there are these upticks everywhere, everywhere. Um, it's, it's not gone. The, the, to get back to the schools for a moment, though, you know, there's, there's an enormous amount of literature on the time that schools are most effective at starting. So, you know, seniors and, and, and high school kids very often they've got to be in school before eight o'clock in the morning, right? And there was a study done on the number of car accidents uh, in schools that started just one hour later at nine o'clock. And the number of car accidents went down dramatically. Wow. And these were because, really because the, the kids who were driving into school were still sort of sleepy. Right. You know, uh, it's, it's not necessarily on a kid's time frame for the older kids to have to get in there earlier and then you know the the elementary school kids sometimes start later it should be completely reversed right this may be an opportunity to see that where it would be really interesting to track how the grades are if kids don't have to necessarily necessarily start at eight o'clock in the morning because they're home and maybe the teachers and everything can just shift to a little bit later on uh kids kids will be awake they'll be more alert they may be more ready to learn it's not such a big burden on the teachers who have to be at school six o'clock or six thirty to prepare for their kids coming in at eight there could be a huge huge potential advantage to this uh, if we're willing to adapt right if we're willing to to not not just stick with the old way of doing things well, well we saw that with uh corporate world right corporate world has done that right so yeah what, what we, do you mean mark how, how they well we wanted for years wanted to um, get more of our employees working from home we bought laptops we bought cloud encryption we bought you know all of the antivirus all of the ways that you can safely connect from home Wait, wait, why are you coming in? Why do you have to come in? Don't, don't come in if you don't have to, right? You have a laptop. We've bought this. We've, we have encrypted emails. We're, we're safe. But you couldn't get people to get out of that routine. And then the COVID came, right? And it was, hey, luckily we have all these laptops. You have to go home now. Mm. And then it went on, you know, it was a sprint, right? Okay, for two weeks. I don't know, maybe two weeks, maybe... Maybe, maybe more, but if it's more than two weeks, then we'll reassess it. And then all of a sudden people were like, okay, I can do this, you know, and I can do it in less time. 
with less distractions and be more productive and then balance the rest of that time in a more productive way, not in traffic, right? Right, not, but, but not that's now the new challenge, isn't it, Mark? Because there we have a, a, a new wave of people working from home and then school starts. Right. I mean, it was okay over the summer, right? You know, I mean, COVID hit sometime in March and everyone was like, whoa, whoa, you know, what's going on? And then the summer came and now kids are home and the, and the parents are home, but at least the kids don't have to be in school. Well, thankfully and they're now, home. Thankfully they're home, right? Now we're going back to like the olden days. Yeah. Right? I was talking to a friend of mine recently who's been, who started and continued to homeschool his kids from the beginning. He just had a, his oldest graduated high school last year. So I'm like, buddy, you're so far ahead of this. Like you're probably sitting there leaning back going, what's the big deal, everybody? This is the way life is supposed to be. The water's warm in here, you mm -hmm. know, get used to it. This is great because he's never really lived in one place. He wasn't stuck anywhere. So he would, they would bounce from Colorado to San Diego to Cape Cod and, and just be together. Right. And, um, you know, so I was laughing with him about it, but he's like, oh yeah, I, I'm fascinated just watching everybody, you know? Yeah, but then, then there's another shade to it, which is the socialization of the kids. Mm. If you're bouncing from one school to another to another, how do you make friends? How do you socialize? How do you become part of a community? And we certainly have seen this in kids it has nothing to do with, with online schooling, but where parents, for whatever reason, have to move from one school system to another. And I've, I've certainly had kids who've been in, you know, five schools by the time they're in, you know, eighth grade. Uh, how do you make friends? Fast. <laughs> well, I think for, <laughs> right? I, I think, well, I think for a kid who already has problems socializing, that can be maybe even a good thing it's a clean slate each move. So a kid who, to use an antiquated term, is you would call socially retarded, where it's very slow to learn, you make these same mistakes over and over again, these kids just kinda ignore you at best. Uh, and it feels like a burn bridge. So maybe you have those lessons learned, but you're still ostracized. If you move to another state, another region, another part of the country, you still have those lessons and you have a new uh, group of kids to experiment with. Experiment your new social intelligence. Switch costumes. Be someone different every time you land or find yourself more personally and deeper. Be you enhanced. Yeah. Be and you I with your lessons. That, that certainly is one potential but you also are moving into a group of kids who already have established their friendships. Mm. And we know that sometimes it's difficult to open doors. So what, what we really would like other kids to do, of course, is to open those doors. You know, I, I, I did a post on Facebook. Um, I, don't, I don't usually post on Facebook, but I, but I wanted to because it was a reminder of how we can remind people of their value. You know, the whole, whole I am approach. Um, and said, you know, Whenever you remind someone of their value, you increase your own value, and it will make you smile. You know, it'll make you smile. I mean, really, doesn't, doesn't it make you smile when you make somebody else feel good? 
And so what I would like to hope is that for all those kids who may be you know, going from school to school or who, who can't feel that they're completely integrated yet into a group, for those other kids to integrate that kid, bring him in, help him smile. So yes, I think that there is a, a, a wonderful irony to this show tonight as we're talking about schools trying to work out the technology to teach their students and here we are trying to work out the technology where we can continue to do our dr joe show not just from home but now truly hybrid because some of us are home and mark is in the studio and we can do it we can do it everybody together That's right? right just be patient breathe don't point fingers. Know that everyone's doing the best that they possibly can, which is what I wanted to talk about, Dr. Joe. At one point, we were talking about the public schools, and I was saying that I was talking to some folks in the administration of it, and, you know, I'm having the conversation, hey, how's it going with all the daggers being thrown at you guys? I mean, it must be a constant duck and dive and respond and smile and try to stay positive kind of situation when people are, you know, lining up in 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 large groups shooting arrows at you right now and um what he said was uh, new north carolina early in the summer because we were talking about this all summer what are we gonna what are you gonna do what are you gonna do what are you gonna do um north carolina took an early position saying they're gonna go in for two weeks and then no matter what happens pull everybody out after two weeks and the theory was if there's an infection we're already set up to do this. But in reality, the reason we're doing this is because the first two weeks of any academic year, there is very little being taught. What they're trying to do is create chemistry, get to know the kids, have the teacher understand the nuances of the class, let the class gel and mold together to create what it will be because of the community that it's be that's being created, right? And then they were going to pull back knowing that they knew each other and they could do the Zoom and they could figure things out, let the dust settle. I don't know if they followed through with that strategy, but if you think about it, the teachers aren't typically teaching a lot right now, and they're still trying to do what they would do in a typical curriculum, which is get to know the kids, try to feel out, how am I going to do this? And now they have all this technology thrown at them to try to add on to that. But you have parents who are like, well, what's my kid doing? But let's really think about that for a second. The kid gets on the bus, takes time to get on the bus, gets to school. There's downtime. There's hallway time. There's lunchtime. How many hours are you actually learning when the kid's at school, right? We're talking about the whole corporate world, if you want to analogize that. You know, how much work are you actually doing for the time you've left your house, right? You sit in traffic for two hours, sometimes two hours each way which I don't think will ever happen again. And then how many times are you interrupted throughout the day? And, and you know, how, how productive are you versus, you know, how many hours are you productive? In flow, making things happen. And can you do that at home at a very different time? So the corporate world kind of figured it out. The, the families and the communities and the schools will figure it out too. It's just everyone needs to breathe and kind of let each other kind of figure it all out. You know, you're, you're just sort of inspired thought in me. One, of the, one of the things that I have always been concerned about with the 
format of our education is asking kids to shift cognitive gear every 45 or 90 minutes. Now, if you go to a job, yeah, you may have different tasks that you are asked to do and jobs, but it's within a frame of this is your job. But in school, you have to maybe go from English to history and then to math and then to the chemistry language tests, and then and then <laughs> chemistry what if what if we change the whole format because of covid and for four weeks kids just learned math nothing else they didn't or from one class to or another. or all day monday is math and science all exactly. day tuesday right. is back and buys right, right. i mean so, it's the so same as working out your body where the, where the kid is is focused in on one subject for a prolonged period of time that allows them just to concentrate on that without having to think, okay, my next class is English. I, I have to I have to get out of my math head and go to my English head. That would be really interesting. And you know, all of this stuff, we can we can track it all. We can do research on all of this stuff and really look at outcome and, and see what happened. I I'm gonna write that idea down. Write it down. Pass it on to Maybe stuff. that's part of the IM Institute. That's what the IM Institute is going to be, where we were going to focus for a while just on one of the four domains and get deep into just one of the domains and see how it goes. What I want to talk about, Dr. Joe, right now, if we can, is the parents who are now working shoulder to shoulder with their kids, trying to do the best that they can and realizing, whoa, this ADD is for real. What do we do? Mm -hmm. You know what's great is that it, it took us all this time to get there, which is <laughs> it's just such it's because fine. we knew when our call-in was happening though too. Uh, you know that was the that was the thought. That I was think brilliant. so. Um, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Why? No, I'm just kidding. I love. And we're it. back with the Dr. Joe show, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. You know what's what's great is. Um, so many kids with attention deficit get so easily distracted by other things. And millions of years ago, that was fine. You know, we know that, that the, the prevalence, you know, the number of kids in, the, in community with ADD is about 5%, which is like one out of every 20. Um, and millions of years ago, it was great to have a kid or person who was really a scanner. Right? I think we spoke about this. If yeah. we look around, you know, be sure, you know, no predators, no saber-toothed tigers were coming. You put that kid in a classroom, though, and it's distracting not just to them, but to everyone else. Attention deficit. Sometimes we don't pay enough attention to these kids and their own needs. There she is. Kelly Miller. How like are you, Kelly? It's so, it's so nice that you just jumped right in. It's awesome. We were just we've talking about this, you. Just so you know, we, we've got Kelly Miller here is calling in from California. Is that right? Where Where are you? Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. It's just wonderful to have you here. Oh, thank it's you great. so much. I'm so it's excited great. to see you. Do you think you're going to be able to come back next week? Yes, for, I'm good. Confirmed. Excellent. That's great. Cool. Great, great. Yeah. Because, because what we really want to talk about is do this deeper dive into attention deficit, into online schooling, the hybrid model, what you know what we can do to help our kids but just to recap at the beginning we were talking about how teachers are asked now to be technologists yes. 
and how parents are asked to be teachers and kids are asked to be adaptable i mean it's it's just so hard so hard so what, what are you guys noticing out there in la Oh my God. Well, if you ask me and my, my parent friend group, I mean, we, we just have to make jokes to keep ourselves alive here. It's, it's crazy. Um, no, I think, I think it's a struggle for everybody. It's exactly what you said. I think the teachers are struggling. I think the parents are struggling and I think the kids are struggling. But I think for me, it's a really nice opportunity to teach our kids. This is one step in resilience. How, you know, how do we get through this? You know, how do we deal with uncertainty? Uh, what are the lessons that we can take out of this? Um, and that's kind of the only way we can go, I think. At this yeah, point. it's so true. I mean, the resiliency is absolutely such an important part of this for, for not just our kids, but for all of us. It's really showing, again, the importance of valuing each other. Because remember, you know, the, the literature is so clear on this in terms of resiliency, every resilient kid Who's gone through any trauma has had at least one person who saw them as valuable one person who believed in them and that's what we need to do and mark was talking about how how you know teachers or, or you know metaphorically having daggers thrown at them it's it's not the teacher's fault you know no all yeah, in this. of course yeah so but, are you guys doing online learning there? Yeah, so so in, in LA, yeah, it's all online, um, not even a hybrid. Um, so it's it's tough. Uh -huh. So <laughs> what about the parents? I know, you know, talking uh, on our last show, you said you were focusing on, on adults with ADD. Are you pivoting into helping parents cope with this? And if so, what do you tell that parent who didn't realize what ADD really was until right. recently. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, and next week I was thinking I have a whole list of tips. Okay. Um, but just kind of at a high level, I mean, I think that first of all, we just have to lower standards all around. Yeah. I mean, lower the standards that your kids are going to be learning at that same level. Um, I know a lot of parents are worried about that, but I think it's also this, you know, lowering our expectations as parents, especially if you're working and trying to homeschool. So, I mean, I think that's kind of the first start is like, okay, we just got to lower things down. And then also realizing that if you're dealing with a kid who's atypical, I mean, they are not going to be able to do what a typical kid can do. And so, you know, really um, utilizing those resources, I mean, IEPs are still existing, you know, the, the IEP plan. So really talking with the resource teachers, hey, what are your suggestions? What are your ideas? You know, utilizing that team effort. I think a lot of times parents feel so isolated, like, you know, oh my God, I got to deal with this on my own. And I'm always encouraging them, no, you know, reach out to the advocates, get everybody involved at once. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work a lot better and smoother. That is such great advice. Mm -hmm never worry alone you know that's, right. that's the first rule i actually teach everyone never worry alone uh the second rule is the therapist must survive and in this case you know the, the parent must survive the kid must survive all of us need to survive but i think you know we're we are again on this cusp of potentially a huge shift in the way we understand education and the way it's delivered you know how are we going to do this it's going to be interesting Tell people about the book, yes. because um, I know we're going to talk about it more next week, but I want people to understand how cool this is, what's happened. 
Thank you. So it's called Thriving with ADHD. It's a workbook for kids, sorry, for kids. And it's typically with kids seven to 12 with ADHD. So, um, you know, it's obviously geared toward kids who have attention issues. Um, and so I, as you know, or I've shared before, I have two boys with ADHD. So I completely get it. Um, and so I, these are, you know, kid tested with my kids. So I know that if they can do it, okay, great. You know, they're, they're my guinea pigs. So, um, you know, it's just a ton of activities, organizational skills, things that really could come in handy now, I think, um, for everything that's going on. And I think it probably could come in handy for everyone, mm -hmm. not just ADD kids. I mean, that's one of the things about special ed in general is it's so applicable to all kids. If you can just understand the unique way different brains learn and the, the remarkable privilege and opportunity we have to teach to that amazing brain. So the book has been doing pretty well. What's been oh, going on with that? I would, you know, I'm, I'm very surprised, like, like in a great way, you know, you just kind of go in and I had six weeks to write it. So it's just sort of like, all right, do it and go in. And you know, it's what I think the, the best part for me is people from all over the world have been writing to me. Um, I recently got an email from a woman in China saying that, you know, ADHD is not really talked about in China. She was so grateful to have this book. And, and now I learned it's going to be translated um, in Chinese. Um, so for yeah. those populations, which I think is great, but I think there, you know, there's still so much to be learned about it. I think, I mean, I still have people to, to this day, when I say I have two boys with ADHD, they say, is that really real? Mm. You know, like I think, you know, and, and, and to no fault of their own, I just think they think it's sort of some, you know, made up thing. And, um, so I think we're, we're, you know, we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go to. So I'm glad that the education is out there. And I'm also, thank you for speaking to that fact that this book can apply to anybody because I think really my goal was to kind of say, you know, we all have our strengths, all kids do. And, you know, in, in general, whether you're atypical or typical, you just kind of have your strengths. And I use myself as an example. Um, I'm horrible with directions. I mean, I'm like an infant and I, I have to take pictures of my parking spots. Um, <laughs> when I park and I tell people that because it's like you learn to adapt, right? It's like, okay, I know that I'm not great with direction. So how am I going to make this easier for my life? And it saves with kids with issues, you know, learning like what's going to help you learn best. You know, you're not bad because of this. We just have to find the workaround for you. Um, and so, you know, and same with online learning, like, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll give you some tips next week, but it's like, you know, maybe you personally can only do 20 minutes before you have to get up and get a break, you know, so it's just kind of figuring out really what works best for the child. Yeah, and, and it's a rare opportunity for parents to actually have the time to see that. Mm. Because so often the kid is in school, and as yep. Mark is saying, you know, you, you, you don't always understand what's happening in that classroom. Now you are the classroom. Yeah. And of course, you've always been the classroom in, in a way the other thing about about add being real it's real yeah but it's on it's on a spectrum like all of these things you know yeah. everybody gets sad but not everybody gets major depression you know right. everybody gets a little worried about things but not everybody who have the panic attack mm -hmm. and everybody gets distracted right so not everyone has attention deficit and i can't stand the term deficit to begin with mm -hmm. because it's it's so demeaning right you know, it's just like we i don't use the word disorder either you know because as soon as you use the word disorder you've got a group that's ordered and a group that is not mm. and then we are astonished 
that we have something called stigma. Right. What's a better so, term for it? We are conditioned. I know, but attention condition? Um, well, I, I, we'll, you know what? We can have people write in. Yeah. I love that. That's we now and next week and see if we get any, I mean, if anyone's paying attention, uh, <laughs> to see Squirrel. what we get. So <laughs> I am just so thrilled that you, that you were willing to come in. I just, just so people know, I texted Kelly literally at the last minute and said, hey, listen, we're going to be talking about this. You know, I'm sorry I wasn't paying attention earlier. Can you come on? And she bumped on like this right now, and she's coming back next week. So for that, folks, please tune in next week to the Dr. Joe Show. It's going to be so much fun. Um, and for everyone, Ben, thanks a lot. Mark, great to have you in the studio. Guys, we'll see you all next week. Kelly, we'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.